Lord Jesus, come among us by your spirit through your word this morning and teach us what it means to be the church, the church alive, your body in this world. In your name we pray, amen. Well, God's peace be with you, friends. Today we are beginning a brand new sermon series called Church Alive. And it is a series that is based on St. Paul's letter to the Christians who were in the town of Ephesus. We call it the letter to the Ephesians. Ephesus was a town located on the west coast of what is today modern-day Turkey. And St. Paul spent about two and a half years in the town of Ephesus proclaiming the gospel of Jesus and leading people to become believers in Christ. He established a Christian church there in that city and in surrounding towns as well. All of that took place on his third missionary journey that is described in the book of Acts. Well, now it's some time later. And St. Paul is now in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's awaiting a trial that he can make his case to the emperor Nero. But he's been waiting for about two years. And during his two-year house arrest, he writes four of the New Testament letters that we have, including this one, the letter to the Ephesians. I've selected two verses from chapter two of this letter as kind of the theme verses for the entire sermon series, the five weeks that we'll be focusing on this. And I'd like you to read these words with me from Ephesians two, verses four and five. Read these out loud, please. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? They're going to serve as the theme verses for the entire series. There is a basic truth that comes out of the scriptures that we all need to understand. And that is that all people are born spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. We don't come into this world with any spiritual life in its true sense at all. I mean, look at what Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus and what he writes, therefore, to every Christian, including you and me. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were all at one time spiritually dead, but God, by his grace, made us alive with Christ. And we're going to unpack the meaning of that over the next five Sundays. What does it mean to be alive with Christ, to be the church alive? Just days before Christmas in the year 1959, some construction workers in Taranto, Italy, came upon a large stone sarcophagus and some pottery vessels that had been buried along with uh, the person in that sarcophagus. These vessels were the black figure style of ancient Greece. And as was typical of the time, the bones within the tomb were ignored 
until bioarchaeologists got permission to examine them in the 1980s. And what they found was the skeleton of quite possibly the oldest and only known athlete from the ancient Olympic Games. Those are the bones of that guy, that ancient Olympian. By the way, from the studies of this guy's skeleton and bone structure and everything, experts were actually able to conclude that that Olympian probably threw the discus as his uh, athletic uh, uh, participation in, in the games. Discus thrower. By the way, the next Summer Olympics are taking place in Tokyo, Japan in the year 2020. But I think it's safe to say that that guy is not going to be throwing the discus <laughs> in those games. Uh, yeah, Italy's going to have to have a different discus thrower uh, in 2020. You know, the, the fact is very true, isn't it? That dead people can't make themselves alive again. Duh. But it's also true spiritually. Spiritually dead people cannot bring themselves to life by their own power. But God can. And that's the focus of of this passage. God can do the impossible. God can bring life where there is no life. He can bring spiritual life into the heart of a spiritually dead person. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 37, there's a a wonderful passage there. I encourage you to read it this week sometime. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel was one of the prophets of Israel. And Ezekiel, in that chapter, gets a vision from God. It's a vision of a valley filled with dry bones, like that skeleton, scattered all over the desert floor. He sees this vision of dry bones. And that vision of the bones represented the people of Israel. They represented the people of Israel and their spiritual condition. You may recall from your studies of the Old Testament, the people of Israel were rather rebellious against the ways of God. In fact, most of the kings of Israel led the people astray to worship false gods and goddesses. And after many, many years of this kind of rebellion, God was very patient, but after many years, God allowed his people to be carried off in exile to faraway lands, captured by foreigners as a part of their consequence of their rebellion. Clearly, the people of God had become spiritually dead And they couldn't breathe new life into themselves. Only God could do that. And in this vision, Ezekiel sees God breathing life into these dry bones. And suddenly the bones start coming together. And sinews are attached. And muscle. And finally skin. And these once dead people are walking around alive. It's a marvelous vision. Very descriptive of what God was going to do spiritually in the lives of his people. It was a vision of of God's grace at work in the hearts of people. That vision foreshadowed 
the, the unfolding of God's ultimate plan of salvation that would center in the promised Messiah, the one you and I know to be Jesus. That plan was, was gradually unfolding, and, and this vision foreshadows the final conclusion on the last day when God raises all the dead back to life, as he promised he will. All the dead will be raised to life, and those who believed in Jesus will be given glorified bodies and will be taking those bodies into heaven with us. All of this foreshadows that. But that vision of the valley of dry bones, really, if you think about it, is a picture of all humanity. As I said, everybody comes into this world spiritually dead. That is the spiritual condition of humankind. You know, there's a lot of TV shows and movies out about zombies, the walking dead, right? Zombies have become very popular in in pop culture today. I'm not sure what the attraction is, quite frankly, but the real definition of real zombies, if you will, real walking dead, are all those people out there who are very physically alive but are dead on the inside, spiritually dead. And they need new life breathed into them. They need to know the Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul, in his writing to the Ephesians, makes it clear that new life comes from God through his son, Jesus. How did he say it again? Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now, notice some of the key phrases in that passage. His great love for us. That's the motivation for him to do what he did at the cross. He loves us. He wants us to be with him forever. He is rich in mercy and full of grace. He made us alive with Christ. And it is by grace you have been saved. Grace, that undeserved love of God toward us sinners. All of that was played out for everyone to see as Jesus gave his life on a cross. There, the grace of God was demonstrated most clearly. The love of God was played out for everyone to observe. Jesus, the innocent one, became the guilty one. He took our sin and guilt on himself and was allowed, allowed himself to be punished in our place. He paid the penalty for all of our wrongs and forgave it all. And through faith in him, we are made alive. We're forgiven and given the assurance of eternal life through him. What a wondrous gift from God. I notice that in this passage too, he mentions these two words, mercy and grace. Mercy and and grace. I'd like to give a little definition of each of those that distinguish them from each other. If you think about it, God's mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve, namely punishment and hell. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, giving us what we don't deserve, forgiveness and eternal life. By his mercy and his grace, he has made us alive with Christ. So in this five-week Church Alive series, we're going to uh, explore and pull out insights from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, 
on what it means to be the church, to be the people of God who have been made alive with Christ. What does that mean? And this morning's theme specifically is alive as one body. Alive as one body. And it comes from the fourth chapter of Ephesians. I want to unpack this section this morning. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. We heard it read a moment ago. Follow along again as I read. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord. Remember, he was under house arrest. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. As we unpack this section of Ephesians uh, 4 this morning, under the theme Alive as One Body, there's three takeaways I want you to grab onto and and have these with you and just keep them in mind and apply them in your daily living this week. And the first takeaway is this. Live a life worthy of your calling. Paul makes that point. Live a life worthy of your calling. He says, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You've been called to follow Jesus now and into eternity. You've been called a child of God. You have, in your baptism, you have a brand new calling as a member of his eternal family. Now, what difference does that make? Paul says, live a life that's worthy of that calling. And what does that look like? He goes on to say, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Think about it. You've been given new life in Christ. You have this calling to follow Jesus. How then should you live? Well, Paul says, first of all, be humble. Be humble. Don't feel like you always have to put yourself ahead of everyone else. Put others ahead of yourself. And rest in the humility that Jesus modeled in his life. Be humble and be gentle. Be gentle. Don't force your way on others. You don't have to be violent or, or over, overbearing with people. Be gentle with people as Jesus would be with people. And he goes on to say, be patient with one another. Be patient. Patience is a gift, isn't it? And sometimes we go into our prayer life and we, we pray for patience and we say, God, give me patience and give it to me right now. <laughs> right? Yes, because we're not always very patient people. We need patience with each other even here at Shepherd of the Desert, don't we? Because sometimes even in the church life, we can irritate one another. We become impatient with one another. Maybe we get impatient with things like the call process or where are we going next and what's happening. Practice patience as a part of your Christian living as one body in Christ. And then he says, bear with one another in love. And the word he uses for love is agape. In Greek, that's a word that describes the kind of love that is always asking, what does the other person need? And then it does it. It's always looking out for the, for the concerns of the other. 
and extends itself for the sake of the other. And Paul says, bear with one another in agape. That's what the Christian life looks like. Let me ask you, does that describe you? Does that describe Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran Church and School? Alive as one body. First of all, live a life worthy of your calling. The second takeaway then is this. Keep the unity of the Spirit. We have a wonderful unity in Christ Jesus. That is, we are made members of one family in Christ. We're united in our faith in Jesus. And we need to do everything in our power to guard and keep and maintain that sense of oneness and unity. Paul says it this way, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's a very strong verb he uses here for make every effort, do everything in your power. And then the word for keep is like the word for guarding a treasure. Guard it. Do everything to guard this gift of unity. And friends, I know in a time of transition like we're in here at Shepherd of the Desert right now, this is a time of vulnerability where the evil one would like to come in and cause all kinds of of disarray and division and argumentation and all of that. We need to guard against that. And we need to guard our sense of oneness, unity as a congregation, that we're doing things as one family under God's blessing. And we, we guard that unity, as he says, through the bond of peace, the bond of peace. Paul would, would have been very well, uh, well aware of bonds, chains as a prisoner. But he takes that image and uses it in a positive way to refer to the connection that we have to each other. We are chained together. We are bound together as one family in the faith. And what binds us is the peace that God gives us, the peace that God accomplished at the cross. That is the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're at peace because our sins are forgiven. We're at peace because we have eternal life. And we share that peace with each other. And that binds us together as one family. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he goes on and he uses the word one seven times. Count them as I read it again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Those seven ones, I think, are significant. In fact, I think it's even significant that there are seven of them. Because biblically speaking, the number seven is the number of perfect completion. Perfect oneness, Paul is saying, consists in these seven things. And notice that the first one that is mentioned is one body. There is one body. And as I said to the children a little bit ago, in the writings of St. Paul, in most of his letters, he uses this common metaphor for the church. He calls the church the body of Christ, the body of Christ. In fact, here at Shepherd of the Desert, the, the verse that we are using throughout this entire program year is 1 Corinthians 12, 27 that talks about this body. It says, now you are the body of Christ 
and each one of you is a part of it. So this is our theme verse, starting last July 1st through next June 30th. This is the theme that we're going to emphasize all year long. That we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. The church is not a building, the church is not a steeple, the church is not a meeting room. The church is the people, you and me together, uniquely gifted by God to work together for his purposes. The body is many parts, and so is the church. And while the body's different parts are different, they are all important, and likewise, every member of the church, every person in the body of Christ is important and necessary. And when one is missing, the whole thing suffers. And when one holds back from using their God-given abilities in the service of the Lord's mission, the whole mission suffers. We need each other, everyone together. Alive as one body. You know, during this uh, transition time here at Shepherd of the Desert, it's, it's important for us to come together and to use our various abilities as the body of Christ in this place. We need to remind ourselves that we are connected. We have a fellowship with each other. Fellowship meaning having something in common. What we have in common is our faith in Jesus and our calling and our mission to lead people to follow Jesus. So let's celebrate what we share in common, for we are alive as one body here at Shepherd of the Desert. So live a life worthy of your calling. Keep the unity of the Spirit guarded. It's a treasure that we need to hang on to. And then the third takeaway is this. Be the church alive. Be the church. The church is the people. Be the church alive. Over the next four Sundays, we're going to explore what that looks like, to be the church alive. And so here's my challenge for you over the course of this next week as we prepare for next Sunday's message. Ask yourself, what does that mean, to be the church alive? What does it look like here at Shepherd of the Desert? Next Sunday's message that Pastor Dave is going to deliver is alive in worship. What does it mean to be the church alive in worship? Friends, by the power of God's love, you have been made alive with Christ. You have been saved by grace. Now, live a life worthy of your calling as a child of God. Secondly, keep the unity of the Spirit through that bond of peace that brings us together. And thirdly, be the church alive wherever you go, for you are the church. Amen. May the peace of God would pass as human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.